And good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax, who is calling in from Points Unknown. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Hey, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm okay. It's it's foggy and rainy here, which is good. Good. We need the rain, or at least we don't need the fires, right? That's right. Hopefully rain equals... Actually, you know what? I don't even want to talk about it. Let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> something cheery like COVID. Oh, yeah, I don't idea. want to talk about that either. Oh, yeah. yeah, but but we do need to talk about it, and we have been talking about it every Monday, uh, bringing the latest for our listeners and also opening the phone lines up for questions for folks because it is and continues to be kind of confusing, a little bit scary, and we want to give people the best information possible so they can make the best decisions for their health and the health of their families and community. So that's what we're doing here. I think we're going to do kind of an abbreviated uh, show today because you are on the road. I'm on the road and likely to go out of phone range um, in about 30 or 40 minutes. So that's Let's do a 30-minute show. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. And so let's do a quick kind of update of the latest in the last week, and then we'll open up the phone lines. Okay, sure. So things actually are improving um, in sort of a weird COVID way, which is to say the numbers are starting to go down significantly, um, but the acutely ill um, are still getting acutely ill, or the people who are going to get very ill are still presenting. And unfortunately, the death rate is higher in the last week than it has been during the entire pandemic. Um, So before we get too far into things, uh, we've added 214 new cases in the last week in the county, bringing our total just over 7,000 total cases. Uh, We have slightly over 300 in isolation or quarantine in the county. Uh, We have a total of uh, 13 people hospitalized, five in the ICU in the county. We added 11 deaths um, in the last week or eight days, actually, um, which brings our total death count to 82, um, an astonishingly um, depressing increase in the death count from COVID just in one week. Um, Our daily case count is down about 40%. Um, but as we all now know, death is a lagging indicator. People don't get really sick and die from COVID until they're two to three or four weeks into it. And though the numbers are improving, um, the very sick are still dying from it in, you know, in remarkably high numbers. Um, our neighboring state, our neighboring counties, rather, Sonoma Lake and Humboldt, are all down about 50 to 60 percent over two weeks as well. California is down by about 35 percent. Um, and the U.S. is sort of trending down, although it's a very variable picture with um, some states getting markedly worse and others uh, improving significantly. Is this, so evidence picture, of what, sure. is this evidence of what you've been talking about for, um, for a while now about Delta burning itself out, do you think? Uh, it's such an aggressively I, infectious yeah. strain. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to admit I was uh, perhaps unduly optimistic thinking that the Delta surge would last only a few weeks. And, you know, we're, we're, we're closing in on the end of September now with Delta having really driven very high numbers for about 
six to seven weeks, um, which is a few weeks higher than I would have anticipated. But I think, yes, we are finally starting to see that fall off. And I expect things are going to continue to improve markedly over the course of the next you know, two to three to four weeks and maybe for weeks to months uh, onward. You know, the caveat, the real the real question remains whether there's going to be another strain that explodes on the scene in a Delta-like fashion. Um, it will probably give us a three- to four-month um, warning uh, before it arrives in Mendocino County. But, you know, COVID has been so tricky, it's really hard to predict that with any degree of certainty. And you work in the hospital in Ukiah. What's it like for the hospital staff, for the healthcare folks there to, have to experience 11 deaths in a week? Yeah, it's well. Not all of them were in Ukiah, to be to be clear. Um, and you know, I work in the in the emergency room, and uh, you know, for for better or for worse, um, the people that succumb to COVID um, have been in the ICU typically for days and days, and sometimes for you know weeks and weeks. Um, and so it's it's not the ER staff that um, are dealing with the you know sort of the chronically um, deteriorating people with severe COVID. It's, it's the, the intensivist and the, the hospital doctors um, rather than the ER staff. What we're seeing um, regularly um, are unvaccinated, really sick people who regret <laughs> foregoing the vaccine. Um, we are seeing a few people who have breakthrough cases, um, but, you know, it's, it's actually quite... Um, pleasant to be able to tell them that they should do quite well because they elected to get the get the shot. Now, also what we're seeing with the deaths, too, is there are a number, kind of maybe a disproportionate number, I think, compared to how many people are, are getting sick with who have been vaccinated. Um, there have been quite a number, probably half a dozen or more elderly folks who were fully vaccinated who succumbed from the virus. What can you say about that? And especially in the context of the, the booster guidelines that if you can make sense of that for folks. Yeah. So the boy talking about a ham handed uh, public uh, rollout of the uh, booster vaccine. It's just astonishingly inept. It, it reminds me of the previous administration, frankly. Um, but boosters are here uh, for people um, 65 and up and for people who are in high risk occupations. It was you know, just absurdly mishandled by the administration in terms of the public rollout of that decision-making. It's hard to say definitively whether, you know, the boosters are going to prevent the breakthrough cases that we've been seeing in a significant number. I think the, the data certainly points toward that helping considerably. But, you know, unfortunately, this vaccine, while extremely effective, is still only in the 85 to 93 percent range, um, which means that an unfortunate few number of very elderly uh, patients with comorbidities are still going to get COVID and succumb from COVID um, in low numbers, to be sure, but, you know, not not zero. And that, you know, that's that's much akin to, you know, there was this early pushback against characterizing this as being a flu-like illness. You know, people who are quite elderly with comorbidities succumb to the flu every year in the order of, you know, 10 to 15 to 20,000 people a year. That's kind of what we would be seeing if everybody were vaccinated with, for COVID at this point. We'd be probably seeing somewhere on the order of 10 to 20,000 people um, a year succumbing to COVID, you know, on a, on a, on a amortized weekly basis. 
But unfortunately, the numbers are much higher because there are all these other unvaccinated people who would survive COVID illness um, but are not. And to be sure, you know, right now we're seeing about 2,000 people a day dying from COVID. So to put that in context, um, every couple days, uh, the number of COVID deaths equals the number of people that die in this country from, say, breast cancer or from lung cancer. So an astonishingly high number of people dying from COVID um, when compared to other diseases. And these other diseases have been around for you know years and years and have extremely sophisticated treatment protocols. And you know the, the, the cure for COVID is a very simple vaccine. It's, it's frustrating to be certain. Uh, can you clarify one more thing before we open up the phone lines? I've been uh, hearing some conversations from people who want to get their booster. And mm-hmm. um, and a couple of people had Moderna and not Pfizer. But the, the booster is with the Pfizer shot, right? That's correct. So it is. It is confusing um, to be certain. It's also somewhat frustrating. Um, but the current CDC and FDA um, guidelines only authorize a booster shot for people that received the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, there is some leeway that is being um, granted to people that receive the J&J vaccine to get a, bo- a booster shot into them. But for those of us who received the Moderna vaccine, we're not yet eligible for a booster. That's coming, to be sure, but it's not here yet. It might be another month. The, the silver lining uh, to that frustration is there's increasing data to point toward um, greater protection, um, greater durability of protection from the Moderna um, when compared to the compared to the Pfizer vaccine. And so there isn't much, as much urgency to get the Moderna people um, a booster shot as there is with the Pfizer, because the Pfizer vaccine was rolled out earlier and its immunity seems to be waning a bit faster than what we're seeing with the Moderna. So sit tight, all of you Moderna folks. You got the better shot, uh, particularly in regard to uh, Delta, but your booster is coming. It's probably not going to be here, though, until the end of October, early November. Okay, and any news about approving the vaccine for kids under 12? Uh, not not since last week. I mean, I, the, the indications are it might occur um, by the end of October. I, I sort of suspect it won't be until early November. All right. Anything else before we open up the phone lines? Not really. We uh, we ER doctors conferred with our our infectious disease doctor um, in a Zoom meeting, and it was actually depressingly simple um, to hear him summarize you know, sort of where we stand uh, in regards to management of COVID. Uh, he just he, you know we talked about all these fancy things, you know, the antibodies and antiviral medications and everything else, and it's all just. You know, to summarize, to to break it down, it really comes down to three things that work, right? There's the there's the vaccine, there's oxygen, and then there's the steroids that you know we discovered maybe back in March of this year of being quite effective. All of the rest of the stuff, all these expensive fancy medications and monoclonal antibodies, everything else, the the marginal benefit and the risks associated with them, they're more or less a wash. Um, so it's it's still a fairly um, unfortunately, um, simple treatment regimen. 
All right, so some more reason to just get the shot. It's free. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. The other the other thing is, you know, we're, we should be seeing the surge from the, the from the county fair over the course of the next week. We'll see if that happens. Talking about you know, delayed disease, um, I suspect that there's going to be more delayed disease from the county fair uh, from the food that the people ate at the county fair than from COVID. But that delay will be more on the order of 20 years. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll okay. let you know how those cheese fries really play out. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll call term. you. We'll give you a call. Um, yeah. Also, it was homecoming this weekend in Ukiah. And so I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't want to be morbid about it, but it was a lot of uh, people packed together for the big game and all of the rallies and everything. So I hope that the testing uh, and the vaccination program out at the high school is going to protect us from, from that. But, you know, people are getting back together and it's it's just... It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's understandable. It's been a long time. Um, I just, you know, people should only be allowed to get back together if they're vaccinated. It should be that simple. Well, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. It's 707-895-2448. It's 707-895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update, our weekly live Q&A with Dr. Drew Colfax here on KZYX. He's gotten us through... So far, we've uh, we've been doing this since the very early days of the pandemic, and and he's still with us. Thank you so much, even from the road, even remotely. Right? I hope I'm not too delayed. No, you're good. You're good. All right. All right. Um. So we're we're not getting any calls though. So eight nine five two four four eight. And I'm hoping that is just because no one's calling, and not because the phones are being weird. Because the phones are being weird all over the county. So um, let me just put this out that if you're trying to get through and you can't get through, send me an email at dj at kzyx.org. Um, and it's will... the rain. It's messing with the connections, right? Take your questions. Yeah, perhaps it's lovely. <laughs> the rain is just <laughs> lovely out there. It's it's a blessing. Um, but maybe it will make us have a very short coronavirus update today. So, yeah, I mean, this is weird that the phones aren't ringing. So I think it must be a problem with with the phone. Um, try again, 707-895-2448 or dj at kzyx.org. While we're waiting um, for the phone situation to resolve itself, or at least declare itself, um, there was a study. I'm talking about, you know, how little we have, how little we offer in terms of treatment for um, COVID. There was a study that came out just this past week um, looking at uh, the monoclonal antibodies um, as a prophylactic treatment for household contacts, um, which is to say somebody in your household has COVID. Can you prevent uh, symptomatic illness in people um, living with that uh, COVID patient? Um, and the answer is, it appears so, actually. Um, it, it appears to be fairly effective, a single um, subcutaneous shot of this monoclonal antibody um, manufactured by Regeneron has about a six- to eight-fold uh, reduction in symptomatic COVID. That's an interesting study in that it could have um, some application, even in this community, uh, for people who are living with other um, elderly patients, um, particularly if you have a, somebody who's immune suppressed and you're living with that individual and you come down with COVID, it would be 
um, prudent to contact your provider to ask about whether this would be something that would be indicated. Um, and I frankly think the answer would be yes in not a huge number of cases, but a, but a small number here in the county. All right. So it does look like we are having a little trouble with our phone, but I do have an email question. Uh, and this is, when you say comorbidities, could you please name a few, give listeners an idea of what sort of conditions are typical? Sure. So it, it really has become clear over the course of this year that the single greatest comorbidity is besides age. So we're talking age is the biggest risk factor for doing poorly with COVID. Um, and then the, the other gr- biggest uh, predictors of a poor outcome are um, body mass or obesity. Um, and then it quickly becomes sort of a wash between other conditions such as chronic renal um, failure. So if you're on dialysis, that's a significant risk factor. Um, chronic heart problems, particularly congestive heart failure. Um, and then other conditions such as diabetes are a significant risk factor. Immune suppression um, is a very large risk factor, but it is unfortunately a risk factor for a lot of diseases. Um, and then other conditions that are that were initially thought to be at, uh, for placing people at higher risk are not quite as um, significant as we initially predicted. So things like asthma um, or even diabetes are not as large of risk factors as initially thought. We see people doing quite well with those conditions. Anecdotally, here in this county, um, it's really age and obesity that drive people toward um, being hospitalized or being placed in the ICU and placed on a ventilator. Those are the two biggest conditions um, that result in a poor outcome with COVID. Wow, that is so interesting. Okay, we're still having trouble with the phone. So go ahead. If you have a question, send it in via email. Send it to me here live in the studio at dj at kzyx.org. Just the letter D and the letter J at kzyx.org, and I will get that. Um, We have a question. Is the county still requiring doctor authorization before a pharmacy can administer the booster? I, boy, I don't. I don't think so. I didn't, I had not been aware of that um, being the case. Um, But that would be something that um, Andy would have to answer. I I think that the pharmacies had generally been accepting people's assertion that they were um, either immune suppressed or over the age of 65. Um, But if there's a doctor note required, Uh, particularly with the relaxation of the standards going, you know, allowing anybody over the age of 65, I think that's going to probably fall by the wayside pretty quickly. All right. It's dj at kzyx.org. We're having some trouble with the phone. uh, So if you're trying to call, that's not working right now, but you can send us an email, dj at kzyx.org. We have a question. How much time should pass between the annual flu shot and your booster shot? Yeah, so that's a really good question. You know, a year ago or eight months ago, um, we were saying you should wait a while, and that while sort of varied. Some people were saying two weeks. Others were saying three weeks. A few people were saying 30 days. Now, you know, now that we have greater data and greater certainty around the safety of this vaccine, um, most providers are quite comfortable just co-administering. So you can get your flu shot and your COVID shot um, at the same time. If you really want to space it out, that's fine, but a week is you know, more than enough time.
Okay, well, they have found us. And while, questions are yeah, rolling and while in. While we're talking about shots, you know, another question is, if I've had COVID, when can I get vaccinated um, after I've recovered? And you know, the initial guidelines were really lengthy. You know, they, they, they were on the order of 60 to 90 days. It has now dropped to 7 to 10 days. So you get COVID, uh, you recover. Um, you, a week after your symptoms have resolved, certainly a week, a week after your fevers have resolved, it is safe for you to go get vaccinated and help boost your immunity even further. Okay, so if someone comes down with COVID, is aggressive treatment done right away? Is that better than waiting? Good question. Um, aggressive treatment for COVID actually doesn't really exist. Um, so there are the mon- monoclonal antibodies. Uh, they have very limited data to support their efficacy at this point. Um, they do produce anaphylactic reactions, so they have a risk associated with them, a risk that's much higher than the vaccine itself. Um, but the general gestalt um, of providers is that treatment is probably best started earlier on in the disease course rather than later. The timeline for administering it is stretched all the way out to 10 days. I think that's kind of baloney. Frankly, it probably needs to be started within five days if you want to see any benefit from the initiation of treatment. But there's not a lot of data to support its use at all. And then the other treatments, you know, oxygen and steroids um, really aren't indicated um, unless your oxygen levels are low for the oxygen And for the steroids, you want to have a moderately severe disease course before that has any effect. Um, Earlier on, and for mild disease, it can actually make a a worse outcome. So it's it's a mixed um, answer to what seemingly is a very simple question. It's so interesting how you all are just developing these treatments and finding this out as you treat patients. I mean, you're just developing best practices, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's nothing like watching, you know, medicine, you know, unfold in real time, right? I mean, this is the way it proceeds with any disease, but it's usually stretched out over 20 to 30 to 40 years. And this has all happened within, you know, a year. Um, And, you know, there have been some missteps to be sure. And we might find that the monoclonal antibodies actually do have a significant benefit. It's just not borne out in the data that I've seen published as of yet. Right. Okay. Well, people are emailing in their questions. It's DJ at KZYX while we're having a little trouble with our phones. I got an email here. Just listen to a Dr. Artis who claims COVID patients are dying from getting treated in the hospital from Rendesivir and Regeneron. Also that nurses are changing vaccine status to drive numbers. He's selling ivermectin. Can you speak to that, please? <laughs> well, you know, there there will be grifters, to be sure, um, and not all the grifters are politicians. Um, so, you know, ivermectin is, that, that's just, you know, that's snake oil, to be sure, at least in, in the context of treatment for COVID. Um, but the other points that the person raises, changing disease status, that's just, that's just fake news, um, to use a catchphrase. It is, you know, people who die from COVID um, are diagnosed with COVID and have that on their death certificate. Um, not every death certificate is going to be 100% accurate because it is a provider making their best estimates in real time when somebody dies. 
Um, but in general, particularly for COVID, when people have been hospitalized for a while before they succumb, we know the diagnosis. So that that talking point on right wing media and that's been picked up is just it's just it's just spurious. It's just frightening and and frankly fairly disgusting. Um, the other points are you know it's. I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't think the nurses are changing the diagnosis. That is a doctor's um, diagnosis. Um, nurses have nothing to do with uh, filling out the death certificate or um, filing the cause of death. That is a doctor-driven um, protocol. So glad you asked, because no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, and uh, emphatically no, and outrageously no. This I is, think in reverse order. <laughs> this is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax, who is out on the road calling in uh, for the benefit of our listeners to continue bringing you the latest coronavirus information. And our phones aren't working, so we are taking phone. Or we're taking questions via email here in the studio, and it's DJ at KZYX. Dot org Again, dj at kzyx.org. We're going to go for another five minutes or so, Drew. Sure, sounds good. If we have enough emailed questions. Oh, we do. We do. The emails are ringing off the hook. I um, was hoping that the, the lack of phone calls just, you know, finally bespoke a lack of interest in COVID. But I guess we're not there yet. It ain't so. Nope. And yeah. I don't think we're going to be there for a while, uh, considering what's happening here with the Delta variant. Um, okay. Should we not get a, Madu- a Moderna booster until approved? Um, well, I'm not sure you're going to find anybody to give you a Moderna booster until approved, until it's approved. Um, I don't think it's dangerous to get a Moderna booster, but I wouldn't recommend doing it until it is actually sanctioned. I am um, just now eligible to get my Pfizer vaccine booster. It's not frankly worth stressing about. Um, you know, I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The marginal benefit of the booster is just that. It is a slight increase in your protection, uh, which may make a difference in, on the occasional individual basis, but you're really only going to see a significant effect when we start talking about populations as a whole. So if, you're, if you've gotten the one-two shot of either the Pfizer or the Moderna, I would just wait until it is sanctioned rather than trying to do some end round just because you happen to know a provider somewhere who has secreted away a vial of the Moderna. Secreted it away. It's not yeah, like before you know. when the difference between being vaccinated and unvaccinated is extremely dramatic. But this isn't this isn't like that. We don't have to exactly. wait around the hospital exactly. for them to spill a vial or something like that. Right. Right. Now, I will say. You know, the, the current policy, and this is driven by the state and by the feds and, it, you know, being followed by the county, but the current policy is to crack open a, a vial um, whenever anybody wants to get their first shot. Now, that vial has anywhere between 10 and 14 doses in it, and the rest of those doses get wasted, which is just appalling, frankly. And so there really should be a mechanism to allow providers to give the rest of those doses as a booster to um, qualified individuals or even unqualified individuals who want the booster shot um, rather than having that vaccine go to waste. I really find that inexplicable and indefensible, both at the county, state and uh, federal level. 
All right. Let's see. We got a couple more email questions here. Um, I am over 65. None of the local pharmacies are giving the booster. I tried CVS and Walgreens in Ukiah. Any advice? Yeah. So you you should probably go to one of the local health centers. I don't know who this individual's provider is, but most of the uh, most of the federally qualified health centers, such as the Hillside Clinic or the Anderson Valley Health Center or the other um, you know RCMS. Um, they will be administering boosters as um, authorized by the CDC and the FDA, which is to say if you're over 65 and you got the Pfizer, you should be able to get in and get your booster shot in a fairly expedited way with any of those places. Okay, but not at the pharmacies? I, you know, I hadn't heard that. I'm not surprised because I think there's been a lot of um, absence of clarity around it. But uh, they should be coming around pretty quickly, particularly now that the age standard is quite clearly 65. And for people who had Moderna but who want to get the booster early, I know you just addressed this, but are they giving the Pfizer shot to people who had originally the Moderna series? They are not. They probably should, but they are not. Okay. Um, Last question. Do the booster shots have any more protection against the Delta variant, or is it just the same Pfizer shot? And thanks for bringing Dr. Drew back, and you are welcome. (laughs) Yeah. So, good question, Um, and the answer is no. Um, The the booster shot is not a tweaked or a different sort of uh, formulation of the vaccine. It's the same vaccine that was formulated and tested about a year ago. Um, The good news is it still works against the Delta variant quite effectively. So there's really not a need to tweak the formula. Um, I anticipate, I mean, believe it or not, that COVID is going to be around for a while and we might end up seeing a tweaked vaccine a year from now that is um, modified in some way to be more effective against whatever strain may emerge this winter. All right. Well, it's 3.30. I feel like it's time to let you go uh, finish with your road trip uh, before you go out of range. I think that's probably prudent. Are you so you're still with us? Good. I, yes, I am. I am. Um, but I will be back next Monday. Um, to hopefully be live in studio with working phone lines. Exactly right. We had uh, we had a, just kind of a bunch of little things going on today, so I think it's good to just have a half an hour show. Ha- wish you bon voyage, and we will see you next Monday. Sounds good. Thank you, callers, or thank you, emailers. Emailers, questioners. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Still a lot of great Listeners. questions. Yes. And thank you, Drew, and have a great trip. Thank you, Alicia. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We are going to join Reveal in progress on this special shortened half-hour local coronavirus update. But I first I want to mention a couple of little announcements. One is, as you well know, this is the KZYX Quiet Drive. This is the calm before the storm. We are fundraising for the station. We're about to launch into our on-air fundraising drive. Starts on October 11th. So now we're in that, that period where... You can send in a donation uh, beforehand and try to help get us ahead of the starting gate so that we don't have as as much fundraising to do when we get to the on-air fundraising drive. Um, it's still always important to support the station. Uh, and you can still get thank you gifts now if you donate now. 
Uh, and you can still donate at kzyx.org by donate by pressing the donate button on the homepage. All of that stuff, and you still get all of your favorite programming that uh, that we provide twenty four seven here at KZYX. Um, so yeah, all donations will go to our, our fall fundraising goal. And you can donate at kzyx.org or mail a check to P.O. Box 1, Philo, California, 95466 to help boost those quiet drive totals for us. Right now, we are at the amazing total of $14,701 and 126 of you so far have made your donation. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It is always incredibly gratifying and inspiring to when you answer the call to keep KZYX on the air. I also want to let you know there's this cool new feature that we have, which is text to donate. So you can donate to KZYX by texting 44321. You're going to text KZYX to 44321, and you'll receive a message back with a link to the KZYX donation page. And it's super simple. You just like press the amount you want to donate, answer a couple quick contact questions, and then the money gets sent to us. So if you hear something, this is what I love about this text to donate. If you hear a song you love, or if you hear a particularly moving program, or you just driving and you realize, you know, God, I love the station. You could just pick up your phone, text KZYX to 44321 and just send a little love. Just, hey, I appreciate what I just heard. Simple as that. Text KZYX to 44321. All the donations that you text will go toward our quiet drive, which will ultimately take us to our fall fundraising goal. So thanks for that. It's just, we have a lot of little kind of level ups in the works here at kzyx text to donate we're working on an app uh and of course as you know we uh just are uh getting approved for a new transmitter tower for our new location in ukiah so a lot of really exciting improvements around kzyx and this is a, a great time to show your support by donating to the quiet drive all right i am alicia bales Live in the studio, I appreciate everybody's patience with the phones, and thanks for those of you who found your way to the email and sent your email questions. We'll be back with Dr. Colfax next week, next Monday from 3 to 4 with a full hour, and he'll be here live in the studio. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at KZYX.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.